Today we're going to be talking about part three of Make Disciples, part three. And so go ahead and open up your Bible to Matthew 28. So we're actually going to start with uh, with our passage right away. And uh, so if you, wanna, if you would stand out of respect for God's word, we're just going to read just a, a handful of verses here and have a word of prayer, and then we'll get into uh, today's message. And I'm really excited. Um, I'm really excited what the Lord has for us today, and uh, I really hope uh, that it will be encouragement to you as, as a believer. All right, right here in Matthew 28, uh, starting in verse 16, we're going to look at that, uh, that commission, that great commission. It says this, Now then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they had saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. All right, let's stop there and we'll ask the Lord's blessing upon our time. Lord, we do thank you uh, for sending your son. Uh, thank you that we can have a, a relationship with you, although uh, we as, as men and women have, have uh, uh, sinned. We, we've turned our back on you as, as mankind, and, and we see it all over the place. But Lord, thank you for not turning your back on us. Thank you for uh, continuing to have a love, a, of, uh, an unfailing, never giving up type of love, one that really extended uh, your hand to us, that, that uh, a God who provided a way through Christ uh, to have a relationship with you. And so, Lord, we know uh, that the gospel is so, so, so very important because it does have the power to change lives, has the power to change our lives, and has the power to change uh, our, our state. Our, our county, our state, our, our uh, country, and the world. And so, Lord, once again, as we talk about make, making disciples, I pray that, that the message that we have uh, today, the message that you have for us, uh, would be encouraging to us, that we really uh, leave today excited about what you're doing and excited about making disciples, excited about sharing our faith. And so, Lord, we pray that you would meet with us. Uh, use your word to impact our lives again today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. All right, pop quiz. All right, pop quiz. Uh, I know. I didn't study for it. That's fine. That's fine. And uh, don't look at your notes, okay? Because some of you are going to be tempted uh, to look at your notes. Don't look at your notes. But you should all get this, okay? What are the two parts of the Great Commission? Okay, don't answer. Think in your mind. We've covered them over the past two weeks. And so uh, make disciples, and then uh, Christ tells us how to make disciples. And so uh, number one, again, don't say, think in your mind, what's the first way we make disciples? All right, hopefully you had enough time. All right, uh, that is, we, we see people saved and baptized. All right, that is, that is the first thing that we're told uh, by Jesus Christ. We go and make disciples. Remember, that word make there is, is that command. It, it is something for the church to go out and do. It's not necessarily a recommendation, although 
I guess we could say it's a very, very strong, strong recommendation, uh, but it's a, it's a command there. Go and make disciples, first of all, baptize, and then what is that second one? We looked at that last week, so make disciples, and we do that by bat, uh, save, baptize, and what was that second one? Yeah, we teach. And so what do we teach? We teach people to love and obey God's word. That's what it means when it says, observe all that I have commanded you. It's that word observe is the idea of obey. And so this is, this is how we concluded uh, last week. And so we said the Great Commission is about reaching unbelievers with the goal of seeing them saved, baptized, and taught to obey God's word. That's really the, the two parts of the Great Commission. Saved and baptized. Again, baptism doesn't save anyone. Instead, it's an outward showing of what's already happened in the heart. It's, it's just a, it's a time of testimony. It's like, rejoice with me. I believe that Jesus Christ died for me. He was buried and that he rose again. And that's the picture of baptism. Saved and baptized. And then also taught to obey God's word. Taught to love and obey God's word. And so we see that right out of what, what Jesus Christ uh, tells us. And so again, go therefore and make disciples. Uh, that, what, that idea of make is what we should be doing. Make disciples of all nations. And and then that very first one, and how do we know that's that first one? Baptizing them, all right? And so that's that first key. We can see that, that first bullet point in, in Christ's uh, sermon here, uh, baptizing them. And so just don't baptize them like in, in the president's name, no, no, not like that or in the pastor's name, uh, but in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I think this is really important because when you look at salvation, really salvation is is partly Christ and partly the Holy Spirit and partly God. It really took all of the three parts of God to save us. And so when we are baptized, it's baptizing the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then as we look at uh, verse 20, again, and, and we know this is the second point because the first one was baptizing them. The second point is teaching them. And again, who is the them? That would be the disciples. And so if we're going to make disciples, we baptize disciples, we teach disciples, and what? To observe, that's the idea of love and obey all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you to the end of the age. Now, what we cover the past two Sundays is the way in which we make disciples. The way in which we make disciples. And I'm just remembering that I don't even think I ever turned myself on this morning. And uh, Tom back there just has a big grin on his face because he's like, yep. <laughs> I, that, that I know. I'm going to be blaming that for like the, last, the next month here. Oh, it's a time change. A time change. Lost that hour. I'm just kidding. And so uh, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. So that, those two parts, the way, and is very similar to what is recorded in the Gospel of Mark. So the Gospel of Mark also records uh, for us uh, the words of Jesus at the time prior to his uh, ascending into heaven. And so it says this, this is uh, the, go the, the Gospel of Mark. This is Mark's interpretation of, of what Jesus Christ said. And he says this in, in uh, chapter 16, verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe will be condemned. And uh, we talked about this a little bit when we talked about baptism, uh, this idea 
that uh, bap whoever believes and is baptized, and we say, well, why is there such a close connection? Because really in the New Testament church, that is what we see. You see people who were saved and then they were immediately baptized. It was a way for them to celebrate that new life inside them. But notice that second part, it says, and whoever does not believe will be condemned. Notice that the words that are recorded here does not say those who do not believe and are baptized. And so baptism is not a part of salvation. Baptism is, is a way to show what's already happened in our hearts. Really, the way that we are condemned is not because of some uh, ritual. And, and really, baptism is not a ritual. It's one of the mandates of the church. Uh, there's two. Anybody know what are the two mandates of the church? Lord's Supper and baptism. Those are the two things. But um, I, I asked some teenagers, I said, so uh, yeah, what are the two mandates of the church? We do it often here at our church. And one of the teenagers raised their hand, they said, potlucks. <laughs> and I'm like, well, we do it a lot here, but that's not it. <laughs> so uh, the Lord's Supper and uh, baptism. But uh, whoever does not believe will be condemned. And so the idea is not based upon baptism. Uh, the salvation really comes through faith. All right, it's believing that Jesus Christ did uh, what he said he did and really saying, you know what, I believe that that is enough. I believe that that is enough. And so uh, that's that um, second account, very similar uh, to the one that we looked at there uh, in uh, Matthew. And so really I, what we're going to look at today is what I would call the bookends of the Great Commission. Now, I have some, some bookends. We have them at my house. We have them uh, in the library. We have them in my office. And uh, normally bookends do what? Well, they help books stand up. They don't, they don't fall over. Uh, now, you can, you can try to make some books stand up by themselves. And, and if you finagle them just right, they'll stand up by themselves. But, but bookends really help books stand up. That's why we use them. And so, what I have today is called the bookends because really, without these two things that we're going to look at today, the Great Commission and making disciples falls over every time. It, because we cannot do it in our own strength. Without what we're going to see today, without these bookends that we're going to see today, we could go out and we could do personal evangelism, but it would be a waste of time without the two bookends we're going to see today. And so this is very critical to what we have. Again, we looked at the way to make disciples. Saved, baptized, taught to love God's word and obey God's word. That is how. Today we're going to see the power behind the Great Commission. And so I hope and pray that our message today uh, will encourage us as we step out in faith and be witnesses uh, for Jesus Christ. And so the very first book in that we're going to see is Christ has all authority. So we see that in his very first statement here. This is in verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to them. Now let me, let me uh, point out a couple of things here. First of all, let's, let's focus on this word, all this word all in the Greek is the idea of entire or complete. 
And so if we had a pizza today, what this word means is that we have O of the pizza, the complete pie. So when Christ said, I have O authority, he did not mean I have half the authority or that I have most of the authority, but really this Greek word for O means complete or entire. He has the whole, what? The whole enchilada, okay? Not half, not a quarter, not three quarters, not most of it, all of it, the entire thing. And so first, that's the very first thing that we need to know, that he has all authority, the entire authority, the complete authority. And then that, that second word there, authority, what does that mean? That actually means ruling authority there in the Greek. That's ruling authority. And so the very first, uh, the very, uh, first two words that Jesus Christ tells the disciples is this. I have complete or entire ruling authority. That's, that's the very first words that, that Jesus describes as he moves into the Great Commission. I have all or complete or the entire authority. And then notice he lists two places in which he has that authority. First of all, he says in heaven, and that second one is on earth. All right? And so really in Jesus' statement here, when he said, I have all authority, complete, entire, he has the whole pie. He says that whole pie includes everything in heaven, all of the heavenly beings, I have ruling authority over them. And everything on earth, matter of fact, that word earth literally means land. It means all creation. It means everything out, everything that's part of the physical world. And that first one means everything in the spiritual world that Christ says, I have all authority. So, so again, it's not like half the pie, he just has authority on earth, or he just has authority in heaven. Instead, really, he says, I have all authority, complete authority, in everything that's unseen and everything that is seen. Disciples, I want you to know I have all authority. Now, this brings up a question that maybe you have drifting around in your minds. Does he have authority over his father? Does he have authority over his father? Because we just said he has all authority in heaven and on earth. But I want to note here what he says at the very end here. Notice, all authority has been given to me. Christ is still under authority of his father. We, we note here that Jesus Christ did not say, I took authority from my father. That would show that he is actually uh, over top of his father, that he took authority. But instead, that's not the picture that we, we, he gives us. Instead, really, what he, he gives us is that his father has given him, the Greek word actually means granted him authority. And so really, the ultimate authority is the father's authority, and that has been granted to his son, Jesus Christ. And so he has all authority in heaven and all authority on earth. And so that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty important as we think about the grand scheme of things, as we think about 
of the gospel. That is important. And why? And, and this is something that I've studied this passage a number of times, but I've never really seen this before. And it is that the word all comes up three times in the Great Commission. We just looked at one of the times. All authority. Look down in your Bible and notice the three times that all comes up. In verse 18, we see that all authority. But then also look at verse 19, the very next verse. Again, he says, all nations. And then in verse 20, the very next verse, he says this, all that I have commanded you. Now, it could be that as Christ put together uh, his, his words, maybe he was connecting this word all to all nations and all uh, that I have commanded you. Maybe not. But it is true that these things are true of his authority. That first of all, as we think about Christ's authority, because he has all authority in heaven and all authority on earth, that he has authority over all nations. That doesn't mean that everybody recognizes his authority. But even if I don't recognize God's authority, that doesn't mean that he doesn't have authority over me. It is just like that we may see a cop car out there, a highway patrol, and, and we see that stop sign, and we may say to ourselves, that cop has no authority over me. I'm going to drive as fast as I want. And we'll find out real quick, he has authority over us. All right? We can not acknowledge authority placed over us, but that doesn't mean that there is not authority over us. The same thing is true with our kids, right? So sometimes they don't like to do what they're told by their parents, and, and so they push back against authority, but that doesn't mean that you don't have authority in their life. And so the world and all nations, there may be people in the world today who do not acknowledge Christ's authority, but Christ still has authority over them. And how do we know that? How do we know that? Well, Paul says this. This is in Philippians 2, 10 and 11. Notice, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. All right? We just talked about the fact that Christ has all authority in heaven and he has all authority on the earth. And notice here, Paul brings this same idea up. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And then notice here in verse 11, and every tongue confess. All right? So that's not, that's, that's the, that, again, that's the whole enchilada there. That in every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so one day, even though there are people in the world today that they do not acknowledge God's authority or Christ's authority over them, the Bible tells us that one day every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. One day, they will be in a position where they will, where they will kneel and they will recognize Jesus' authority. And so that is very important to this whole thing. And so why? Why is this 
idea of Christ's authority, which has been given to him by the Father, important to the Great Commission, how is it a bookend? All right? How can it be an encouragement to us? And this is really the first encouragement that we have today as we think about the Great Commission, and it's this. When we witness for Jesus Christ, we are witnessing not in our authority. We don't come in our authority or the authority of Wilton Bible Church <clears throat> or the authority of, of uh, Pastor Schmidt. We come in the authority of Jesus Christ. And so this is not our message. This is what God has done by sending his son Jesus Christ to die for the sins of the world. And so we don't come in our authority we come in Christ's authority. He is the one that has all authority. We as believers, we don't share the gospel for our benefit. Really, when we share the gospel, we share the gospel for the unbeliever's benefit, that their relationship might be put back together so that there may be people out there that at one time they ran from God, but now they honor God. That second reason why we should share the gospel is because it honors God. As, as people come to the Lord, they bow the knee in this life that Christ is exalted in men and women's lives who are created in his image in this life, preparing them to one day bow the knee in eternity. And so really, as we think about the gospel, it's not for our benefit. We've already received the benefit of the gospel. We share the gospel for the benefit of others, that Christ may be exalted. And when we witness, and when we witness, we are in turn placing ourselves under Christ's authority. Because this is also true. We may think to ourselves, the world does not acknowledge Christ's authority, and we would be true in that statement. But we would also have to realize that sometimes in our own lives, though we are believers, that we know the right thing to do, and yet sometimes we find ourselves doing the thing we know we ought not to do, or we know the right thing to do, but we just don't do it. And so just like the world may not acknowledge Christ's authority, when we actually share the gospel, we are acknowledging Christ's authority over us. When we go out and we make disciples, when we share the good news of Jesus Christ, we are putting ourselves under Christ's authority. And so the first thing to remember about this book is, or this bookend, is that the Great Commission is not in our authority, it's in Christ's authority. And why? Because all authority in heaven and earth has been granted to him by his Father. We don't go in John's name. Because I have very little authority in this world. But truly it is the Lord who has the authority. Ephesians uh, 1, uh, 22 says this, and he put on, this is uh, reminding us of the authority that he has upon us as believers, and, he, and Paul says this in Ephesians 1, 22, and he put 
all things under his feet, that is Jesus Christ, and gave him as head over all things to the church. And so Christ is the head of the church. He is the good shepherd. Later on, Paul says, Paul says this, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and in himself, its savior. Again, this idea that Christ is the head. That really as we think about this all authority, and then we follow it down in the Great Commission, we find out all authority is over all nations. Whether they realize it or not, God has authority over them. And one day, every knee will bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's all authority over all nations. That second thing is, all that I've commanded you, that really God has authority, or Christ has authority over us, that we, he is the head, he is the good shepherd. He is the head shepherd. All right, so that's the very first bookend. All right, that's the very first bookend. And uh, why? Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And so uh, that's what we ought to be doing. That second bookend that we have, so this is, the first bookend would be that he has all authority. That second bookend is that Christ goes with us. And, and look here, there is some real encouraging things that Christ says here. All right, so teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Remember, that is the how. Okay, that's the how. And then we're going to see the power. And notice the very, f the, 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 the first two words that he says here. And behold. What does he mean? And behold. When Christ says this, this is, this is what it means in the Greek. Listen up. Pay attention. Look. Listen. What I'm about to tell you is very important. That's what it means when he says, behold. And so Jesus Christ is telling his disciples, listen up, pay attention. You're going to want to hear this. This is really good. This is some good stuff. This is going to help you not only now, but in the future. Listen to this. And so the same thing is true for us today. Christ is saying, behold, listen up. This is important for you. And so notice what he says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That means that he is with me, and he's with you guys, and he's with you guys, and he's with you guys, and, and you in the back, he's with you in the back, and, and you in the front, he's with you in the front. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman or a teenager or, or maybe a grandparent. He is with us. And this is why he says, listen up. I want you to notice, disciples. I want you to notice, Christians, that I am with you. Sometimes when it comes to sharing the gospel, it can be scary. And that's true. Oftentimes, Christians don't share the gospel because they're afraid. But have you ever had someone in your life maybe it was a friend, maybe it was a spouse, maybe it was a parent, that, that you realized that as long as that person was with you, that really you could go through any trial in life, as long as that person was with you. And so it doesn't matter where life takes you, as long as that person is with me, I know I can make it through. And I want to give you some words of encouragement here. I know sometimes sharing the gospel can be scary. But we don't have a spouse that goes with us. We don't have just a good friend that goes with us. We don't have a parent that goes with us. We have Jesus Christ. 
who goes with us. It's the best person to take along with us. If we were ever going to share the gospel, you know who I would want by my side? I would want the Savior of the world. And this is what he's telling the disciples. Listen up. Watch this. I want you to know this, disciples, that this making, this making disciples, going out and seeing people baptized and, and taught to love God's word, when, that, when you actually follow through with that, when you go and do that, I want you to know I'll go with you. I am with you. Jesus Christ, of course, made very uh, many I am statements in the Word of God. We're not going to look at all of them today, but just a, just a reminder of some of those I am statements. And uh, really, he made these I am statements to, to reveal who he was. And so this is found in John 8, 12. We're actually looking at these in Awana right now um, uh, on Wednesday nights with the kids. But again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so Jesus Christ, as he reveals who he says, or who he is, he says, I am the light of the world. Here's another one. This is found in John 10, 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Here's another one. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Now these I am statements address who Jesus is. And this is not all the I am statements. This is just three of them. There are several I am statements. And uh, those I am statements are describing who he is. And they, they, give, us, they give us kind of like a little, a little bit more of, a, of an idea of, of who he is. But what we find here in Matthew is not who he is, but instead where he is. Again, in verse 20, I am with you always to the end of the age. I am with you always. So when we put together all of those I am statements to describe who Christ is, and we go, wow, that here we have God walking with man and, and he is the resurrection, and he is the life, and he is the life, and he is the bread. And, and we think about all of these I am statements, and then we remember that he is with us. I am with you always to the end of the age. And so these are the bookends. All right, so when we think about, again, as we think about make disciples, the how, save, baptize, taught to love God's word. When we think about the power, all authority has been granted to Christ. Whether or not men and women acknowledge his authority does not mean that he does not have authority. So when we go to share the gospel, we don't do it in our authority, but we actually do it to people whom he has authority over. And then that other bookend is that other side, which is this, that he goes with us. We don't go on our own. If there was anyone that we'd want to take soul winning, uh, some churches use the, the idea of soul winning or knocking on doors, and, and they, they talk about if there's anyone that we were going to take with us, we would want to take Jesus Christ. And the truth is, he says this, listen up, I want you to know, open your eyes, because this is true, I am with you always to the end of the age. He goes with us. Now with our remaining time and 
I do want to look at a case study. Turn over to uh, Acts chapter 18. Because it's, it's one thing to hear about the Great Commission and this idea of making disciples and baptizing and, and teaching and, and that the Lord will be with us. But is, does this actually happen? Is there somewhere in the Bible we could actually go and see this unfold? And there is. Here in Acts chapter 18, we see this unfold. We see the Great Commission played out. And so I think that there's some encouragement for us as well. And so notice there in, in verse 1, this is uh, Acts chapter 18, verse 1. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. Okay, I'm going to show you some, some uh, maps here so that we have an idea of uh, what is going on here. All right, not too bad. All right, where's Rome? Okay, so uh, Rome's up here. All right. Where's Israel? Well, Israel will be way down here. And so where's Corinth? Well, Corinth's actually right in the middle. Now, why was Corinth so important to Paul and, and so important to the world? Well, there were ships that were coming down, and they were actually going through a canal here. And it wasn't quite a canal. It's actually an open, open river here. And they were coming up, and, and there were different ships trading in this area. I'm going to give us kind of a zoomed-in approach. And so here is Corinth right here. It, it kind of probably was this whole area. So ships would come in here, and they would dock, and ships would come in here, and they would dock. So it, really in the, in the world at this time, we could say that Corinth was like our San Francisco or our L.A., that there were a lot of ships coming in. There was a lot of trade happening. So they would drop off resources, they would do different things here, and they would, they would trade, and then they'd pick up the stuff and they would take them home. And same thing here, they'd pick up the stuff from over there and they would take them home. It was an important place in the world, it was an important place for Paul. Why? Because Paul had an opportunity to share the gospel and affect people that would eventually go in one of two directions. And so this was actually an important place to be able to share the gospel. Even though, as we looked at that first map, it was far from where he started, the, uh, the uh, Jerusalem, all right, in Samaria. It was far from there. He's kind of in the, the, the ends of the earth area there now. He's pretty far from where he originated. This is a picture of what it looks like today. And so again, you can see the water on this side, and you can see the water on this side. And this, this whole area here uh, would have been for trading. It was a very important place in Paul's time. So Paul started witnessing, first of all, to the Jews and the Greeks. And uh, he, whenever he went into towns, he, he always went to the synagogues, and, and he tried to reason with the Jews and the Greeks. And again, as I, as I think about this idea of all authority, really, if anyone was to recognize Christ's authority as Messiah, who should it have been? The Jews. But that's not what happens here in Corinth. They don't recognize that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so notice here in verse 5. Then Cyrus and, and Timothy arrived from Macedonia. Paul uh, was occupied uh, with the word testifying to the Jews that, G, that Christ was Jesus. So that the Messiah was Jesus. He was, he was communicating the fact that, um, that Christ was the Savior. And in verse 6, 
And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook off his garments, that is, Paul shook off his garments, and said to them, You are blood beyond your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And so, so Paul realized this. All right? as, as he went to Corinth, he said, You know what? God does have authority over you, whether you recognize it or not. And if you're not going to receive the good news, then I'm innocent of this. It is your choice. And so what does he do? He goes, and he goes to the, the Gentiles, which is the people whom God called him to. And then notice here in verse 7. And he left there and went to a house named uh, Tyrus Justice, a worshiper of God. His house was net to the synagogue. Verse 8. And Crispus... The ruler of the synagogue believed in the Lord together with his entire house and many of the Corinthians hearing Paul believed and were what? Baptized. That's the first part, right? So, so when we're thinking about the making disciples, that the goal is to go out to see people saved and baptized. Notice what happens right away. He goes to the Jews. The Jews say, I don't acknowledge that. And so he says, okay, well, if you don't acknowledge that, I'm going to go to someone that does. He goes to the Gentiles, and people are saved. They believe, and they are baptized. That's the first part of the Great Commission, all right? See that they be baptized. Go into all the world and make disciples. All right, then look at verse 11. And notice what he does after they're saved. This is in verse 11. And he, that is Paul, stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. So Paul wasn't this type of guy that just came in and, and people got saved and then he left. And then he said, well, good luck, guys. And he left. No, Paul stays here how long? A year and a half. And he continues to spread the gospel and he continues to teach. Again, we said this. The Great Commission is about reaching unbelievers with the goal of seeing them saved, baptized, and taught to obey God's word. That is exactly what Paul does when he gets to Corinth. He preaches the gospel. Some reject it. They, they don't see God's authority over them. They don't see Christ's authority over them. So he goes to the Gentiles, and the Gentiles do accept. And people believe. And people are baptized. And they are taught really to obey God's word. Paul stays there and he teaches. And so that is the two parts of the how to make disciples. Saved, baptized, and taught to love and obey God's word. But what about the bookends? We just looked at the bookends today. The, the fact that God has all, or that Christ has all authority in heaven and on earth, and the fact that he goes with us. Do we see that? in this passage, and we do. Notice, right in the middle of there, in verse 9, and so uh, the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision. So Paul is asleep, and he is dreaming, and he has a vision, and the Lord speaks to him, and notice what the Lord says, do not, do not be afraid. The Lord knew that Paul needed a little bit of encouragement that maybe as Paul moved into Corinth, he saw this and he said, well, this is, I, I feel like I'm, I'm biting off more than I can chew. You know, Paul had been thrown out of a lot of cities for preaching the gospel. 
He was persecuted many times. And sometimes that's why we are afraid to share the gospel, because we're afraid of being persecuted. Paul was probably also afraid. If I, if, if, if I share the gospel like I've been doing, the same thing's going to happen. I'm going to be thrown out of this place as well. And remember, because of the location, this place was very important to Paul. He did not want to be thrown out. And so the Lord knew he needed a little bit of encouragement. And so the Lord says this, and he says this to Paul. We think Paul would never be afraid of sharing the gospel. And yet, this is what the Lord tells him. Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent. I think there's some encouragement for us there as well. Now, we haven't gone to sleep. We haven't had a vision. The Lord hasn't talked to us directly but when we look at the Great Commission, he is with us. We don't have to be afraid because he goes with us. But then notice what Jesus goes on to say here in the very next verse. Notice. For I am with you. Paul, I am with you. Paul, don't worry. Don't worry about it. Don't, don't stay silent. Go on preaching while I Go with you. That was the second, that was that second part of, of that bookend that we saw. And then notice that first bookend, and no one will attack you to harm you. So that persecution, Paul, you don't have to be worried about being thrown out. For I have many in this city who are my people. And so it may be, Paul, this may look like a very dark area to you, but I want you to know, even in dark areas, I still have authority. Don't worry, Paul. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. I go with you. I have authority here as well. So this is the Great Commission. Pulled out in Corinth. What did Paul do? He preached the gospel. People believed, and they were baptized. He went in, and he taught for a year and a half. Just when he needed that encouragement, the Lord came in a vision and said, Paul, don't be afraid. Why? I am with you, and I want to remind you, I have authority. Even in Corinth, I have many in this city who, uh, many in this city who are my people. And so the Lord goes with us. So we too, we don't need to be afraid. Really, as we think about that power fulfilling the Great Commission starts and ends with Christ. For it is through his authority we go, and with his help we spread the gospel. And so when we go and we, we, we are uh, witnesses, I'm going to be honest, okay? The very first time, and I've shared this uh, before, I don't know if it's been in, in a service like this, but the very first time I shared the gospel, I was, if I remember correctly, it was in high school, maybe junior high, I think it was high school. It was during a vacation Bible school with kids, and the, the, the evangelist was speaking, and uh, several kids went to the back, 
And so one of the things that we were taught is sometimes when kids stand up and go to the back to get saved, to make a profession of faith, uh, to, to have the gospel explained to them, they're just doing what their friends are doing, and they don't really know what they're doing. And so uh, as the kids came to the back, I saw that teacher, that adult, and that adult take that kid, and that adult take that kid, and then a kid walked back, and I looked around, and it was just me. And so I remember my pastor said, like, hey. And so I, I talked to the young man, and, and uh, we went out, and, and the, 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 there was a street on this side, a parking lot on this side. We came around, we were on the side of the church, the parking lot side. And so I'm talking to this young man, he was in elementary school. I said, well, why did you come back? He said, well, I, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my personal savior. And I tried in a way to kind of like talk him out of it because I was afraid I was going to mess up. And so I was like, well, you know, if you accept Jesus Christ, you're your personal savior. Uh, like there might be things in your life that you like that you're going to have to give up. And he goes, that's fine. I said, well, the Lord might ask you to do things that maybe you don't want to do. And he goes, well, that's fine. And I said, so you really want to get saved? And he says, yes, I really want to get saved. And so I got to share the good news of Jesus Christ with him. And I... I picked up a track and, and I shared the good news with him and, and that young man got saved. And you know what? That very first time, I was fearful. But you know, that, that young man got saved despite my inexperience in sharing the gospel. Because the gospel is not dependent on me. Because truly, the authority comes from God. That all authority has been given to Christ. Because all authority, he has authority in heaven, he has authority on earth, has been given to him, and he goes with us. And so we have no reason to be afraid. We can trust the Lord that he will work through us. And so sometimes, like Paul, we just need some encouragement to continue speaking and not to be silent. We need to remember that fulfilling the Great Commission starts and ends with Christ. It does not start and end with Wilson Bible Church. It does not start and end with Pastor Schmidt. It starts and ends with Christ. And it is through his authority that we go and with his help that we spread the gospel. So we can. All we have to do is step out on faith and trust the Lord. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we thank you for these two bookends of, of the uh, Great Commission. We, we, over the past couple of weeks, we looked at kind of the mandate, the command to, to go and, and make disciples, and sometimes it can feel overwhelming. We, sometimes we feel uh, like novices. Sometimes we feel like, would, would, I, would I mess it up? And, and Lord, help us to realize that really when we go and we share the good news of Jesus Christ, we don't, go in, we don't go in our authority, but we really go in your authority, and we go to people whom you have authority over. And so, Lord, we pray that you would use our church, that you would use the believers within our church to be able to share that good news that, that others would be put into a right relationship with their creator, that they would in turn exalt Jesus Christ and recognize his authority over their life. Lord, we also thank you that we don't go alone, 
that Christ goes with us, the Holy Spirit goes with us, and we know that it's God's desire that people be saved. And so, Lord, help us to rely on you. Lord, in our, in our flesh, we can feel very, very weak. Therefore, Lord, help us to draw strength from your Spirit. Help us to draw strength from your presence. Help us to be Christians who would find comfort in the fact that you go with us. In Jesus' name. Amen.